And we're back with the stellar Tyler. This episode, we get a little cozier into our own experiences with the quote-unquote gray area of our purity culture pasts. Our chat weaves through gender differences in sexual encounters, relating climbing and intimacy, and what did we still take from Christianity when we left it all behind? Explore with us here and now on Body and Wine. We're so hungry. We're hungry for more. The body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Tipsy. Tipsy's not bad. Okay, so I don't know where to start, but like, hmm. Let's well, start about how I perceived sex growing up and developing as a Christian. Perfect. That. Okay. How do you perceive sex in the, growing up in the context of Christianity? Good question. wow so man sex was something i could never figure out in the in the the lens through the lens of christianity never fully made sense to me because it was always something it was always something i understood was wrong outside of the context of marriage Mm -hmm. yet i could never understand how it was so impulsively natural as a human, and then also that it felt so good. So it was always something for me that like I never fully, you know, some Christians are able to really just like suppress it, mm-hmm. at least on the surface, pretend like it's not an issue, mm-hmm. sex or desire or masturbation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was probably like my biggest struggle with sin, quote unquote, because it was just a pervasive thing that like you can never get away from it. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, like when I went through my high school, kind of late high school, early college years, where like I was Christian, I grew up in the Christian context. But I kind of like strayed for a little bit and like did my selfish, you know, growing up kind of exploration with whatever, like I had sex plenty of times. Um, but there was always this extreme guilt associated with it. Mm. Not even just sex, even with masturbation. And can I ask, was it sex with other Christians or was it sex with people who were not Christian or both? I think almost never with other Christians. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to recall. <laughs> no, I don't you think You can I was... list them all off now. <laughs> this is like confession. <laughs> no, it was, it was always with people who weren't Christians. Mm. Which I think was what made it almost even worse. Because then the girl never understood the guilt that I had and the shame. And that, for them, because they didn't understand it, it translated to them as... 
this weird kind of rejection or like that they were used in a mm. way. Would you talk about it with them explicitly or no, you would just react and they uh, wouldn't understand why or how you were reacting? Or can uh, you sometimes. I guess, I guess where this comes out more is after I kind of like rededicated my life to Christ, mm. quote unquote, again. Oh, um, I heard that uh, after, like after the summer of my 19th year of life where like I was still in college the weird thing for me is that like I really 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 valued intimacy especially physical intimacy mm-hmm. so it was just so easy for me to kind of like be with an attractive girl who wasn't a Christian and just get a little bit too far down the line for mm-hmm. like my Christian values mm-hmm and then, like, find myself being like, I need to back out. Hmm. So, like, there were a couple instances where I would, like, be with a girl who I thought was really attractive, who was, like, I was, I was friends with. And we would basically get just to the point of, like, being both in our underwear and, like, about to, you know, take her clothes off and get mm-hmm. it on. And then find myself be like... I'm sorry, like, I can't do this. Like, I think because of my beliefs, I kind of want to save sex until marriage. This bullshit. Mm. This stupid, stupid bullshit. Mm. Where it was traumatizing, I feel like, for the girls that I was Mm. with because... Like, maybe they were in such a vulnerable position. Because, yeah, and I I feel like what they really explicitly felt was that, Mm. for some reason, irrationally, they felt that they... That I... I kind of perceived them as pushing me too far or or taking me to a point I didn't want to go. And mm. they felt uncomfortable in a way that, like, was almost as if I perceived them as something dirty or or, or that I didn't want. Uh, I don't know. so much you, wrapped up in that. Do you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's so much wrapped up in that. I can hardly articulate it because there's so many, so many angles you can go with it. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the girl. like... Yeah, well, it could be in so many levels. A, she might think that, like, you guys were actually really attracted to each other, and that's all of the signs were going that way. Mm -hmm. And then she maybe feels rejected. But then also, yeah, sometimes the feeling of you being used, where you're used for all these, like, for all of the intimacy leading up to that, but not Mm -hmm. the actual thing, which, like, I don't know about as a teenager how a teenager would maybe perceive this, but, like, just, like, hearing it, it's less about if you say to someone ahead of time... Uh I don't, I don't want to have sex, but like I really like you. Whatever. That it's less about like whether or not you want to have sex. It's more about like the way that it's all handled. Feeling this person feels like they're better than me, or this person feels like I'm dirty. Yeah, but it was uh, it was shitty because mm. even though like in that situation, I I always felt horrible for the girls, and like even though I felt ashamed in certain ways Mm. like I knew that almost what I felt wasn't as bad as what like the girl felt Mm. and like it was something that like it's hard to to even explain but like I saw it on her face like you see it on her face like when I I remember like when I said those words when I just stopped and was like I don't want to do this anymore I think I don't think this is right I think I want to save sex for marriage even though I've already had sex before Mm. and just like seeing like the way that like their faces change yeah like that's like what like stuck in my head yeah because it was just 
it's just like wow. fundamentally wrong. I feel like yeah. <laughs> on my part. Yeah. One, like yeah, like like you said, it's one thing to like state it before and then not yeah. let it get to that point. Yeah. And another thing because it's like, always fine if you don't want to have sex yeah. with someone. It's just how it's communicated. But to take it all the way just before. Yeah. And then just to, to come out with that is right. just like. Yeah. It's fucking stupid and yeah. it's immature. And also, and, and I think it would be difficult maybe for someone who didn't grow up potentially in a religious exactly, background. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, I mean, the hashtag guilt, hashtag shame comes in. It's, <laughs> it's these really negative emotions. Like, it's giving me interesting perspective, actually. Like, my first boyfriend, we dated for two years, almost two years. We'd grown up together in high school in the church. We were very good friends for years and years and years. And, like, worked together, went to church together, youth group. Oh, we never had sex. We did, like, absolutely everything up until that point, mm-hmm. which is a whole other conversation, I think, too, around, mm. like, yeah, just this. What can, these, is considered oh, sex and what is It's not. the biggest conversation, I feel like, for for Christians growing up in it's, any form of so purity culture. so stupid. <laughs> the quote-unquote gray area, right? Yeah. Which I, I now am still dealing with the repercussions of that, I think. In some, so we didn't have sex, the quote-unquote penetrative sex, if you want to mm. be like technical. Yeah. Even though we did everything else because I was the one who resisted. And it wasn't because I didn't want it, but I think the reason that we didn't is because I felt like it was wrong. It was like the resounding guilt, shame thing, even yeah. though everything else we were able to do, but I still felt guilty and shame about it, but mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, but that's the definition of it so we can do it. But then I hardly even enjoyed that because I felt like this is wrong as well, yeah. but we're kind of allowed to do it, so let's do it. Yep. So that also scarred me, I think, in a lot of ways, it took years to heal from. I often saw, without really realizing it at the time, but more in later years, that like we didn't fully have sex because it was also like it wasn't the healthiest of relationships and it was like the ultimate control that I had like mm-hmm. it was kind of the only control I felt like I had in that relationship as yeah. well but also kind of empathizing for him because he really wanted it and I don't think he was a bad guy for that you know mm-hmm. there were other things he needed to work on but I don't think he was a bad guy for that and I think that's such a shame as well of like thinking that the other person wants it because they're somehow lesser or more primal or it's a weaker or thing into to a, want a gender it. role. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the guy has to be the one who's like, "Come on, please, please. right?" And the girl right. is coy and yeah, no, no, right. This purity thing as well, which is now like for sure not how I am. When was the first time you had real sex, penetrative <laughs> sex? <laughs> oh, it's so interesting of a question because I think now I feel shame in like the opposite way answering that question oh <laughs> like in terms of like the like liberal world like oh you so old <laughs> yeah like it's like you have to have had sex when you're like 14 to be like a liberated woman <laughs> um i was 24 good for you yeah which i was like now that's not even that long ago how do you handle sex and relationships now <sighs> that's a big question Hmm, I don't even know how to answer that. I feel like it's something that's just like constantly ongoing. It's like I'm always learning from it. Mm -hmm. I think because I waver between, I think I went pretty quickly after Greg, I went full on like, not sex is meaningless, but like, yeah. Exploratory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like have fun. Have fun. Doing what you, what the typical 
person would do in their college years. Yes. You did as a more conscious and hopefully more mature adult. Maybe even not always. <laughs> but then I think... Keyword. Yeah. <laughs> but in some ways it was good. I could just... I just did it. Yeah. I just did it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But then I think where I'm more at now is... It's like the pendulum, right? Like... Yeah. I mean, even talking to a lot of my friends who are pretty like full-on spectrum... You know, especially for those that came out later in life, it's the whole thing of like, why does coming out have to be such a big idea? And you're like, well, for at least people who were repressed, sometimes you really need to go from one extreme, you go to the other to come back in the middle. Yeah. Maybe some people are able to slowly come out of one or come out in the, in a balanced way, but that's not always possible. Yeah. You know, for me, I was doing a little bit of that. I just needed to let the pendulum swing in a pretty unhealthy way for a while. Especially when part of it means like rejecting the identity that you yeah. like growing up with. Yes. But I think it's kind of sad. If I grew up in a way that taught me healthy sexuality from the beginning, then yeah, I could have had really amazing sexual exploration years. Yeah. But in a way that was like, inshallah, always consensual or inshallah, always like, oh, yeah, I really want to have sex right now, but is that person really the person that I want to do it with? You know, and I don't think I had, I didn't have those tools. And I also felt a lot of the bitterness and a lot of the anger that I think pushed me even further to an extreme that I think then put me in unhealthy situations that I wouldn't have been if I was taught a healthy sexuality in the first place. Absolutely. But maybe people in my Christian upbringing would have said, well, that's the reason why we told you you shouldn't have sex. When I'm like, no. If I had been told that it's okay to have sex from the beginning and been taught how to do it, who to do it with, when and how and whatever and why, yeah. I don't think I would have gone to that extreme. Yep. But I don't think that sex is bad at all. I think it's really beautiful. It's just a matter of um, something that can be really beautiful can also be really damaging. So how does Absolutely. it be something just good? You know, whether it's just as basic as like, this is like exercise. Good job. Or like to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we burned a lot of calories. Fun. That was a great workout. <laughs> yeah. High five. <laughs> exactly. You know, but then also getting emotional things out or like connecting short term versus long term, I think mm. has been something that's been hard for me to understand because I think sometimes when I have an emotional connection to it, it's still hard for my instincts to say, oh, that's not like long term, even if that's not what I intellectually think. Like I think my emotions are still tied to the like 24 years of you have sex with a person you get to marry. marry. Yeah, exactly. That's hard to undo. Um, I always say good for you because I feel like, at least in my personal experience, most of my sexual experiences before the age of... Actually, I would say most all of my sexual experiences before I met that girl who made me question Christianity, all of my sexual experiences before that were unhealthy, hmm. I guess I would say. Now, I don't want to say wrong, because I don't think that sex was wrong, but the way that I interpreted and reacted to them was definitely wrong. Hmm. And all of those relationships are broken because of that. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that now the way that I go about like my uh, you know relationships, my intimate relationships, my sexual relationships, I think it's so obvious how much more healthy of a human being I am now wow. based upon the women that I've slept with. Mm-hmm. All of the women I've slept with since since I moved to Jordan, I am really, really close and intimate with all of them. Mm-hmm except for maybe one or two. 
<laughs> including the sociopath. <laughs> yeah, maybe a good thing. <laughs> and the other one was just someone to refuse to listen to the things that I was saying, which was like, I feel, I mean, I'm, and I think part of that is in this context as well, where like coming into this culture where even if you meet a very liberal Palestinian or liberal Jordanian, say for mm. instance, the, one, of, one of the girls I'm talking about from Jordan, mm-hmm. um, you still have a lot of very strong cultural things and cultural norms about sex where like sex is is never really casual mm. even if you're completely non-religious and non you don't adhere to those scripts yeah there's still an expectation of a lot more yeah with the act than most people from the west would would kind of take from it right like i i'm at a point now like i'm having the time of my life because i have come to this point where i'm I'm confident and I am secure in what I believe and what I what I want. And I'm also so direct and communicative. And for me, like communication is the most important thing now because in my past, what is what's traumatized me mm-hmm. is how I've traumatized girls. Interesting. That is actually the thing that really affects my relationships the most. Where like I'm so hesitant to jump into things quickly because I'm so terrified that the girl that I'm with is going to expect more from me than I'm willing to give if I sleep with her like immediately. Yeah. Kind of thing. And for me, like all of my missteps sexually, like in the past, have been with girls that like I was really interested in and like really attracted to it was just infatuation when I look back. But like, basically I pursued these girls. I slept with them a few times, had had some fun. And then like over the course of like a month or two, realized like, you know, like, uh, I don't really want anything to do with this girl anymore. Like, yeah. I'm just not, there's something about her. Like, I just, mm. doesn't vibe with me. Yeah. And for the other girls to think that like, I was so invested in her and like that there was going to be a future between us whether or not it was marriage or whether it was just dating or something and then for me to just be like you know I'm not really into you anymore and like her to be destroyed so like in a way that has not to say that like I've experienced the same amount of pain or something that a girl like that would experience from from me but that I might be able to deceive myself that I really want this girl when really it's just a physical attraction or uh, uh, infatuation yeah. Yeah, or something yeah. like that easily fades away. So for me, like that's what gets me the most. So now I'm so, so communicative. Almost too much to the point where I'm asking, like, can I, can I take this shirt off? <laughs> can I take these pants off? I just want you to know that, like, <laughs> I just want this to be a casual thing. Like, yeah. I really like you. Uh, and I'm a very affectionate person. But yeah. in the end... I'm not really looking for anything more than that. The point where it's almost too much. Do you think it's too much, though? Because I'm like, do you do you really think it's too much? I don't or know. Or do you think that other people just aren't used to it? Maybe other people aren't used to it. I know I know for sure other people aren't used to it because girls I've said it to are like, really? <laughs> are you asking me? <laughs> You're asking me not only if you can take my shirt off, but then also if you can take my pants off. Like two, <laughs> two, sep- like two separate occasions. <laughs> like, no. And like I've had girls be like, "Is it not obvious that like that's okay?" 
But like, okay, this is where it's so interesting to me to hear that because I also feel like I'm overly communicative, not necessarily about taking clothes off, but yeah. about what I want out of a situation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's been reciprocated and it's been great. And sometimes it hasn't been. And guys yeah. don't really always know what to do with it. Girls usually know what to do with it because we communicate <laughs> pretty well, <laughs> I think, in general, yeah. stereotypically. Yeah. But... What I feel that I was only taught sexuality in one context yeah, in Christianity. And then in high school and university, I was taught it in a really extremely different way that I also think has a lot of flaws. Like I would say like stereotypical Western sexuality is also pretty fucked and going mm-hmm. through its own thing right now. Like I don't think it's necessarily better than what I grew up with. I mean, as an extreme stereotype, like there's obviously so many nuances. Yeah. But... I don't think I was given the right tools to kind of navigate sexual encounters. And so I'm figuring that out. I think a lot of my friends are figuring that out. And I think that's why in some ways I want to do the podcast. Because it's just like people are trying to figure this out. And they can't necessarily, you know. I've had a lot of really cool casual sexual encounters with people where I'm like, I also felt like the other people were acting like pretty cool for school but also we're not necessarily in touch with their emotions and like maybe they were communicating really well but they were also pretty cut off and it was really casual but it wasn't healthy I don't think either so I think it's that like nuanced area that I don't maybe some other people know how to deal with but I don't think I know how to because I'm really I'm I'm living in extremes I went from pretty conservative like super conservative and trying to jump back in yeah yeah that's tough I don't know yeah but then it depends on the person as well. I think so because where I'm at now is that since I've since I've dropped Christianity basically, like what I've come to basically believe is like the meaning of life is to ha like to make real, lasting, intimate, beautiful connections with other people. Mm-hmm. Whether that means sexually or not. Mm-hmm. And I think sexually you can have really beautiful, intimate spectacular relationships with people without commitment Mm -hmm. or with you know but I've also I've just come to really appreciate people that I can connect with intimately male female romantic platonic Mm. um like to me like that seems to be the only constant real thing that matters like in, in life like these people who like you can really have this amazing connection with yeah. Like, I really have a hard time finding anything that's more real and more true than those relationships Yeah. in this life. And, like, that's almost what's replaced my religion. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, this religion of loving other people mm-hmm. in whatever form your relationship takes. And... Honestly, it's way more fulfilling than the Christianity thing. Totally. (laughs) I actually totally agree. Almost to a a point where I'm like, "Ah," like I, I sacrifice a lot in my life. Like relationships are my ultimate goal. You know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't like the word God anymore. That's not like, I think, again, I went through years of trying to redefine that word in many you like all the different definitions like people keep thinking like saying you can redefine it god can be a she god can be all this and this i'm like now i'm just like yeah that's just like a pretty traumatic word for me so i don't use it but for me it was so freeing to kind of see like the ultimate beauty of the world is in other people in the natural world 
intimacy and sexual relationships can also be even when it when it's casual it's awesome when that works but then when it doesn't work it can be so hard and and sometimes I think that's where it can be upsetting like I feel like I've developed, I mean, I'm imperfect in it, but I've developed skills for the most part, usually to kind of say, this is where I'm at at this time in my life. This is what I want out of this situation. And I can say that pretty clearly to a person. But then when the other person can't come back and say that to me, or they say something to me, but they actually want something else. That's where either I get really sad or frustrated. Because I don't know, it sometimes is a gendered thing sometimes, but it's also just like not everyone also has the tools to identify where they're at emotionally to communicate, yeah. right? It's not even just a physical consent thing. It's like a, an emotional thing. It's like when you have an encounter with someone, I think the only way that that's ever really great is if both people really know what they want out of that situation. Sometimes that means that, yeah, they're saying like, do you want me to take your shirt off? It's like explicit. Mm-hmm. But where a lot of the pain in, in my life has come from is like other people or my own inability to understand what I want and need in a moment and then communicate that to someone else. And that's what I really hope for not only our generation, but then especially the ones coming after that they develop those skills of being able to know what they want in a moment, but then also in their lives in general. Because if all you want is like a 15 minute fuck in a bathroom at a bar that's cool you consensually figure that out if you want to like be with someone for the rest of your you know all of the extremes if everyone can say that and know that that's what they want it's beautiful it's fine as long as you know it you can figure it out and everybody is on board communicate that with yeah yeah it's murky waters but it's murky i feel like for me like the most beautiful and productive and beneficial thing has just been spitting it out just being open and vulnerable with someone even when you're not fully sure where they stand and I I guess the problem with me saying that to you is that like it is definitely different for a man than it is for I was just gonna say yeah because I I completely mm. understand that it is not the same at all Mm. but I mean the same time like I also feel like I was totally tricked by this one girl who I dated for for six months, who, mm. who I, I think is a sociopath or something like that, because, I don't know. I mean, and it still is different, because the power dynamic is still very different, mm. uh, regardless. Like, even in that relationship, I was the one who ended it, the one who was like, something's not right here. This needs to be over. And even though I was hurt in a way, you I think that it can it be a lot different for women and like I have three little sisters mm. and I was basically raised by women my mom had me when she was 19 and then I grew up with a single mom in my grandma's house with my mom's three sisters wow. so I think I'm a, I'm a relatively special case where as much as I am like a man in a lot of ways I'm, I don't even like to say that now like because I'm not trying to assign myself a specific gender role, mm-hmm. but as much as I am, I guess I would say not afraid physically of other people, mm-hmm. I'm also very, very in touch with my my emotions and like with my like what I want, and I don't mind being vulnerable because there's no real threat to me. Maybe there's you know some kind of emotional or existential threat, but like I'm not really scared, really like physically for my own safety and that's very very different from the way that women have to experience the world 
Yeah. Yeah, like the gender thing plays so... Like, yeah, it's a lot. Because then you can end up in these interesting situations where, like, sometimes then an emotional con- situation, then you confuse that, oh, if the guy opens up, then they're, like, super into you, which isn't necessarily true. But then it's also a lot of the times happens where the guy, they don't know their own emotions for themselves, let alone to communicate it to someone else. So you're kind of in this area of, like, trying to guess it, trying to bring it out in them. It feels exhausting. It's like you feel emotionally responsible. You're guessing, which is always bad. Yeah. You know, or it pushes the person away or it pulls them in. Like, it's just, like, so... Yeah, there's so many elements. I mean, the gendered conversation with or without Christianity, I think, is, like, fascinating and super relevant. But one thing I was going to kind of ask was, like, I really loved that one post that you put on Facebook or social media around, like, climbing and intimacy. Mm. Like, I don't even remember necessarily now what it was about, but I was just, like, wondering what climbing or your relationship with, yeah, like, rocks or climbing or the land has, (laughs) like, if that's had any influence on your sexuality, on your beliefs, like, who you are as a person. In a way, it has, because... Like climbing is a sport that's it's amazing because you can take it to whatever level that you want to take it personally mm-hmm. um, and there's different types of climbing that can be way more dangerous and risky than other types of climbing like you, you get to decide where you take that mm-hmm. like the climbing that I grew up on you know I started climbing in a climbing gym but then like the only outdoor climbing for me in the New York State area is traditional climbing where you have to place your own gear as you're climbing up into the features of the rock and you basically just have to either be confident enough in your skill of placing the the right kind of gear the right size for the right crack or the right whatever that like you are confident to fall on that if you do fall Hmm. or where you like you you place a piece of gear and you're like oh that was kind of shady I'm just not going to fall (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like what it goes to in your head where you're like there's no option of falling because if I fall it could be bad um, so it really makes you have to mentally do this like fight or flight kind of thing where you're like either you submit to the panic and you possibly get hurt or you just say like I'm not going to do that Whoa. Um, and, it, and it kind of creates this kind of mental toughness in a way but in that kind of lens like it has made even the kind of climbing that I've done which is not like which is relatively amateur it has created this sense of like what is important and like what is really going to be what would really be a scary thing in life Mm -hmm. so like after doing something where like I could die if I fall and I'm not gonna. I'm just like I'm not gonna fall. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm gonna push through this, whatever. To something where like when I'm with a, a girl that I'm attracted to, and I'm like scared to say how I feel and reveal my emotions and kind of make myself vulnerable in that. And I think, like, what are the real consequences mm-hmm. if say I should fail? Yeah. In this. Mm. And there's there's really no consequences. <laughs> there's none. Yeah. If you really think about it, like in the grand scheme of things. 
And I think that has really helped me a lot. Mm. And just this confidence of being like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. And if you don't feel the same way, good. Then yeah. like I can have like a definite answer and I can move on with my life. Like, like I hate the game. I always hate the game. <gasps> yes. The game is so bullshit. I keep coming back to that. Playing games is bad. The fucking game. As soon as I almost find myself like editing text messages, I'm like, this is a bad sign. Yeah. But in a way, like that's kind of just, I wouldn't say climbing is the only thing that has done that. It had a decent effect. But for me, and I think this also has to do with my upbringing where like I had a very, very healthy upbringing. Like even before my mom got married to my, my stepdad, who I consider my real dad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I forget he's not like my biological father. Mm-hmm. Even their relationship after they got married, like, was really an amazing example. And my family and my extent, my extended family is very cohesive. We all have very healthy relationships, where I am confident enough in myself and who I am, and also confident enough in like my safety net of like people who I know will never stop loving me and caring for me and supporting me. That. I don't mind being completely 100% vulnerable to people around me and to like possible romantic interests of mine. Mm-hmm. That has been the big thing of what's like changed my kind of made this ide- ideology I have that like relationships and intimacy are the most important thing in human existence because I've been able to have so many amazing relationships with people. And especially, like, with women, because I I feel like I just relate to women much more. Mm. Some of my best friends are women women that I've slept with, women that I haven't slept with, and mm. have no romantic um, relation to at all. And that's been going on since even before I kind of dropped Christianity. In a way, the climbing is... Like, that post that you're talking about wasn't specific. Honestly, that post came from a place... Of more post relationship with the sociopath. <laughs> We're gonna keep on bringing Great. that up. Where, where like, I thought I was, I was doing like my thing where I was being completely honest and, and open and vulnerable about something, and this girl was not. This girl was not at all being honest about things. So that kind of prompted that post where like. I think that's probably why so many people liked it. Because <laughs> they were like, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it's so true, like, in, from both sides of the situation, whether you're the one who is being open and intimate and vulnerable, or you're the one who's kind of holding back, I think you can still see, like, the positive and the negative in, in those things and how that affected your relationships. Mm-hmm. And how, like, just, like, letting it all out there, in the, in the end, you're still the one who comes out on top. I think because even if you were honest and you got kind of fucked over at least you were honest with yourself and at least that like you can move on and be like wow like mm-hmm. all right so I've learned from this that this is the kind of person like these are some things I can look out for with someone that I'm, I'm being intimate with where they're not being the same way you can learn and you can grow from that I think that in some ways comes from like trying to learn to come to a place of like knowing really what you want but not needing it yeah like it's an interesting balance of being like okay i have what i need even if the worst whatever i think is the worst happens this person doesn't want me exactly it's gonna be shitty but i'm gonna be fine exactly you know but i also know that's what i want and it's distinguishing those 
That's exactly what it is. That's so true. You put it into words much better than I could. Oh, no, you did a great job. Yeah, and thank God like that I had that base because maybe this toxic relationship that I had would have gone on for a lot longer and a lot more destructive for me yeah. if it was something that like I craved and like I needed yeah. and like that formed part of my identity or my worth yeah. or my, my, my self-value. Mm. Um, thankfully, like that wasn't an issue for me. And then in the end, like, even though I didn't know exactly what was wrong when I broke up with this girl, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And I was, I had the foresight enough to like end it. And then afterwards kind of discover like, oh, wow. Like looking back in hindsight, like that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. That was wrong. And wow, it's good. It's good that I know that now. And I can kind of (laughs) remember that for the next time that I... I'm just going to pause here to let you know that Body and Wine Podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen, and as always, take care of yourself. Okay, let's get back to it. I want to ask you a few things before I forget. Sure. Okay. One is one thing that you find attractive or sexy in another person. Could be physical or not. Honestly, I think one thing I really find sexy or attractive in in a girl is, and I think I've always felt this, is just kind of a refusal to accept the gender role kind of thing. Like, I really love... I really love girls who are like kind of fiery and like unapologetic with like their opinions and their views. They don't necessarily have to be loud Mm -hmm. or aggressive. I really think it's sexy when a girl is very assertive and like knows what she wants because maybe in a way that makes me feel more comfortable because Maybe that's something like what comes back to this fear I have of like, you know, hurting someone by like not giving them a full explanation of like what I want from this or whatever. Whereas like when with an assertive girl, I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely more to it than that. But uh, yeah, I like that. I like that in girls. Like an assertive, powerful, strong girl. Cool. Okay, another question I have is, mm, is there something that you learned in your upbringing that you felt was negative that you've had to undo? Something that you want other people has been beneficial to you? Or something also from your upbringing that's, that was really positive that you still take with you? Definitely, like, the I would, I would want to undo the guilt that's associated with uh, sex because it's not only affected me, it's affected the women I've either been with or almost been with but thankfully that's something I didn't really have to have a struggle to get over like once I started even though I was just questioning my Christianity and not like fully rejecting it I was having sex and really the more I was having sex the less guilty I started feeling about it even the guilt itself like I felt it but it was never like a crippling guilt it was always like almost like a questioning guilt like why do I feel this way God like for something that is so great and uh, beautiful 
why do I feel this way? It's something that you created to be beautiful. So I guess, I would say for the second one, what I've learned is that intimacy comes in many different forms. And I think it's so beautiful and something to be really embraced. It's intimacy in all its forms. Whether it's with a sexual partner or just someone you're attracted to that you have physical intimacy with or even someone who's just a friend who you develop like this platonic intimacy with. I think that's wildly important because like that's the only way you're going to develop any meaningful kind of relationship with them. And for me, I'm mostly speaking in the context of, of women because that's where I guess I've been held back like because of my beliefs. Like even as a Christian, you know, I'd sleep sometimes in the same bed as like my friends or like girls that I were, were good friends of mine. When we would have no physical intimacy going on, like nothing besides like snuggling together. Mm-hmm. I was so goddamn beautiful and so like I had such. I still do have such amazing friendships like that, mostly with women for me, but I think that also has part to do with like my upbringing where like I was raised by women, you know, and I was surrounded by women and I relate much easier to women. I guess in for me, intimacy should be something that is spread around through multiple relationships and not something like yeah, just the one way. person that you marry. Because yes. they're, they cannot be your only source of intimacy in your life or shouldn't and that's why you have such a fucking huge divorce rate because you have this whole idea of marriage like it's a construct it's a human construct that came from the agricultural revolution Mm. based upon property and stuff and even back then you didn't marry someone because you expected them to like complete you or be like your second half and they you know provide everything that you were missing in your life yeah. It shouldn't be how it is now, but that's how we treat marriage now, as in, like, it's your other, it's your soulmate, and they're going to be your everything. It's not ever going to happen with no, no human being. Yeah. And you need to have multiple different relationships, whether they be romantic or not at all, yeah. that have a lot of intimacy in them. In order for you to be a complete or fulfilled person, So I think that's, I guess, what I would say is one thing that I discovered that is really important is that intimacy comes in many different forms, should be embraced and pursued in all of those different forms, no matter what status you are in life. Hmm. And then one thing that I've learned from my Christian background that is beneficial, Mm -hmm. for me, what did it, like why I'm even in this area to begin with, is the sense of like justice that I got from Christianity a sense of quote unquote righteous anger or just anger in general against injustice and Mm. oppression and abuse of power is something that like I got from Christianity and I was really like passionate about it before I dropped Christianity and it's kind of what made me interested in this region in the first place so yeah like the biblical idea and especially like the Christ idea, like Jesus was, he was a fucking rebel who like really pushed back against all of the institutions of his time, most blatantly the religious institutions of his time. He was completely against them. 
and that was a beautiful thing that like that's what I really took to heart and that's what I couldn't reconcile when like I would come back home from Palestine here and find like these Christian spiritual leaders that I looked up to justifying like the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians by the state of Israel when like I came here inspired by those same people to like fight injustice and fight oppression of the weak and subjugation of marginalized people so like in a way like those same Christian leaders set me up to drop my Christianity (laughs) because they're fucking hypocrites Mm. legit breaking it down I know possibly especially if you want to make it <laughs> good, good luck. I don't know. We talked about it a lot. <laughs> we talked about it. Big thank you to Tyler for both of the episodes that he participated in. And as always, my hope for this podcast and for these conversations is that those of you listening are finding maybe some solidarity, maybe a new perspective, something to look up, something to shift in you. Um, and regardless, Feel free to check out always Body and Wine Podcast's Instagram page for updates on episodes, for information shared, for inspiring quotes, things like that, and share with your friends as you feel led. Thank you so much for listening and sending love your way.